The most beautiful experience we can have is the mysterious. It is the fundamental emotion that stands at the cradle of true art and true science. So that's a quote from Albert Einstein's book, The World as I See It. And I'm John Fanning, and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. So how's it going out there? I hope you're all doing well. Uh, welcome. Um, so this is episode 27 of my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book Create. So last time I spoke about acceptance and change, but today I want to get into talking about emotions, feelings and emotional memory as such. So first, um, emotions, well, you know, we all know they exist inside our bodies, you know, the emotions exist inside my body and I feel them coming up inside of me and we all know this but are we really aware of how emotional a creation we don't even think about can make us on a daily basis for example so you know it's just something important to think about all these things that surround us all these creations that people have spent time um creating for for other people so an example would be um again going back to a, a, a where we used to live in the south of france um there was an old woman in our village she was 93 at the time and it was one winter morning and we were out talking about the uh, lavoir in our village you know and a lavoir is a is this kind of stone shed with a slate roof and a stream going through it and they usually have one or at least one in every village in the mountains down the south of France. And she and the other women in the village used to wash their clothes there. And so obviously then she told me how the washing machine was, a, to use her word, a benediction when it appeared. So because her, her, like, her face lit up when she talked about it, this huge sigh, you know, of, of, of insistent continued relief. And so the thing about it that she's she probably never knew, or well, I'm sure she didn't know that the person, because I didn't know, and I don't think a lot of people do, that uh, there's a guy from uh, Chicago called Alva J. Fisher who invented it. But I'm sure she would have uh, kissed him, uh, kissed the ground he stood on uh, if she'd ever met him, because there was there was tears in her eyes when she was telling me about washing and washing machine how it changed the washing machine how it changed her life and many women like her and because she no she no longer had to haul her dirty wash into the lavoir where, where you know women used to kneel in snow never mind the sun but kneel in snow to hand scrub their clothes clean in, in that icy water and she you know, she used to describe. She described how she used to have to break the ice in winter to clean her clothes. And to her, many decades later, this this man Fisher's creation was, you know, a very emotional thing, um, a miracle. So, so when we create, I think it's important that we 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 remember. We have to remember that when we put something out into the world, that we will not always know the kind of emotional effects it's going to have on other people. And, you know, so it's, it's a good thing to remember the next time we're frustrated 
with a lack of recognition for what we do, hearkening back to that episode where I talked about failure and, uh, you know, kind of leaning into failure. Um, is that in that moment, somebody could be experiencing positive emotions because of what you created without you ever even knowing it. So somebody could be reading your book or using your washing machine and you're there thinking like, oh, I don't you know, I'm crap or uh, I haven't created anything of worth. And somebody's out there in the world actually having an emotional reaction to what it is that you've created. So so, uh, it's important to understand this idea that when we create, we give, uh, I suppose, an emotional resonance to what we create. And we, we affect people out in the world emotionally and a lot of the time without ever having met them. And I think that's pretty beautiful. But even before that, there's, there's our own emotional world or our own emotional perspective. Uh, because when, you're, when you've got a feeling or feelings about something inside you and these feelings evolve into an emotion, um, which combined with action and inspiration, then, and then we make a new creation. So, you know, emotions can be the enemy too, though, uh, as opposed to this beautiful feeling of uh, creating the actual flow moments. Um, because if you if you allow them to be, they can they can become the enemy. So, you know, P. D. James once said that all fiction is largely autobiographical, and that and that much autobiography is factual fiction too. But creative material can come. So creative material can come from your own life, uh, the facts, the observations, and and the suffering you feel and see around you. You know, Tennessee Williams um, says it kind of even even clearer, I would say, say saying that uh, when we create, um, or when he created, it's basically emotionally autobiographical. And it's the feeling of what we've experienced which is important, not the exact visual memory of it which should really inspire us and you know when we look at you know a van gogh or a picasso um we feel something like i feel something when i went to see michelangelo's david i you know i definitely felt something i wasn't simply looking at a piece of art i was experiencing it and so the question is why is that well it's because the creators infused feeling their feeling into their work and if I use the other example of Picasso you know I don't like Picasso's work a lot of people love it and um, just makes me feel uncomfortable that's just me you know that's the feeling that I get from the feeling he's created on the page or the canvas other people and not all of his stuff you know but the majority a lot of it um but other people love him and so the point though there is that he makes you feel something though and, you know, that's the, that's the goal, um, to bring feeling up out of you and, and create feeling, that connection with somebody else. But again, how is that? Like, how, how is that? How does that come about? You know, there's, um, there's a cliche in art, I think I referred to it when I was talking about a, a poet back there and uh, I can't recall which episode it was but you know no tears in the writing no tears in the reading um, 
so if you substitute the word writing with any creative act, so no tears in the painting, no tears in the looking or seeing, uh, what happened when I went to see or feel those artworks I mentioned above for the first time. So there's an emotional res resonance in the work, what creators mean when they say they put themselves into the work. You know, so that Frost poem or that Frost quote, you know, no tears in the writing, no tears in the reading, is, you know, it's important to kind of transfer that into other other um, fields and to just start to think about it like that, you know, so that it's not um, detached. And, you know, it can take years to create something, but the, the, the dedication eventually pays off if we stick with it. You know, it's that idea of focus that I mentioned before in an episode, about six episodes, five episodes ago. And, you know, the emotion comes when someone's life is affected by using your cure or by enjoying your building or by using your machine or by loving your words. And people who create life-saving cures or, you know, sustainable architecture or evolving technology or books or or draw from all... They all draw from the, the, almost the same emotional recall because they they remember a family member or friend who died from an illness or a house that they lived in that was basically unlivable um, or washing clothes in a freezing cold stream or not having a book to read when they were a kid. Um, you know, so this inspires them to create a solution or inspires them to go out and get books or inspires them to design houses. <coughs> Excuse me. Or come up with a cure, you know. So which then benefits others. So I'm not saying you have to go into these emotional memories and relive them all the time, but what I am saying is they're they're useful when trying to understand what it is that inspires you to create. And by relaxing, or as I talked about before in health, um or by meditating on these emotional memories, we can f we can feel what part of life inspires us, and whatever inspires us nearly always helps us to create. And you know, personally, I never really understood this until I went away on retreat uh, once to write a novel, and I was walking on the beach to clear myself out after writing all morning, and uh, when it suddenly came to me that one of the characters was going to die. And the realization made me stop. You know, I looked out to see, and without realizing it, at first tears started to roll down my face. And no, I basically, basically I just said no. <laughs> no, I thought I was. This is in my head. I was going. She can't die. That's too sad. Oh, that's so sad. It was then, and then that's when I realized that I was crying. So this is what I mean by emotional memory. So I had put myself in the place of the character so much that when she was about to die, it was as if it was someone I really knew was dying. And that's that emotional resonance, that emotional intensity coming out of that emotional memory as such. And, you know, the Russian theatre practitioner, Konstantin Stanislavsky, uh, who used to study when we were at university, he used to work 
um, work with this. You know, he called it his system. Uh, with actors, that when they worked to create roles, he would uh, talk about effective memory. And, of course, this became more famous when, for, when it was further developed by people like uh, Lee Strasberg with uh, method acting. Because they both believed actors needed to bring their personality, or more, not their mask or personality as such, but their emotions to the stage when creating characters. And so creators can use this in their work by using what Strasberg called emotional recall or sense memory, to use another phrase of his. So, for example, if you think about it, like what were your physical sensations during emotional events in your life? So you can use these or those moments to infuse into characters in plays or novels or to document in your nonfiction or to inspire you to change things, to create things that, uh, that solve problems like that man who created the, the washing machine. So maybe it was his, you know, maybe that, that guy uh, Fisher uh, saw his mother kneeling down in the winter to crack the ice to wash the clothes that inspired, and that, maybe that inspired him later on to create a washing machine. Who knows, you know, it's a, who knows what his reason was, you know, maybe he just wanted to make money. <laughs> but um, most of the time when something comes like that, it's it comes out of being, wanting to be of service to others. Um, and that's where the inspiration comes from, to help create something that helps us to suffer just a little bit less in some way, you know, to be benevolent, as I, you know, always say at the end of each episode, it's this kind of benevolence, uh, emotional benevolence, you know, it's like emotionally going back into the memory and the feelings, uh, the emotional memory, uh, so as to get inspired to create something. And, you know, as I said before, uh, you don't have to get lost in the emotions, you simply have to recall the events so you can understand your characters or your story or your or your subject in a painting, uh, the thing you need to create. And this can come from sadness or frustration or anger or love or, you know, compassion and joy. And creators do this every day when they create. You know, empathy can be drawn upon, to be drawn, you know. And... You know, I quoted Ray Bradbury when I was talking about education in episode six, and uh, and and I want to I want to quote him again now when we, um, when he said, "If there is no feeling, there cannot be great art." And you know, if you want to add to that, there's the wonderful Renoir, uh, the painter, not his son, the filmmaker. Uh, of course, we wouldn't have the the painter's words if if his son hadn't written that wonderful uh, memoir, Renmar, My Father. But so Renmar said that art is about emotion. If art needs to be explained, it is no longer art. And that's a direct quote from him. So art is about emotion. If art needs to be explained, it is no longer art. So great art comes from emotion, from feeling from something emotionally ineffable, you know, so because a lot of the time these emotions, it's hard to name them. We just know there's a feeling. But they're, because we feel it, and and that's why we look at an amazing painting. 
you know, as even as Renoir once said, because uh, you you look at it because you want it makes you want to walk into it because it makes you feel so much. He said he could always judge a great work if if he wanted to get into the painting, <laughs> which is a kind of cool way of looking at it. Um, pardon the pun, but anyway, um, another example would be Tolstoy. You know, towards the end of his life, he wrote this text called "What Is Art," where he he, you know, he famously got into ripping into Shakespeare and while he was at it, Beethoven too, uh, when he was going on about what he called good art. And, you know, he gets into the, Tolstoy gets into the same thing I've been talking about at base, empathy, uh, not just some confection to be enjoyed, uh, more an important fundamental of life, of, of living, because without it, we lose one of the most important forms of communication. And, you know, in, in chapter five of, of What is Art, he kind of, he dives into this feeling a bit more, uh, what he calls the activity of art. So he says this, the activity of art is based on the fact that a man receiving through his sense of hearing or sight another man's expression of feeling is capable of experiencing the emotion which moved the man who expressed it. To take the simplest example, one man laughs and another who bears, hears becomes merry. Or a man weeps and another who hears feels sorrow. A man is excited or irritated and another man seeing him comes to a similar state of mind. By his movements or by sounds of his voice, a man expresses courage and, and determination or sadness and calmness and this state of mind passes on to others. And it is upon this capacity of man to receive another man's expression of feeling and experience those feelings himself that the activity of art is based. You know, it's a, it's a great little book that, um, I don't know if you call it a book, it's more like an essay. Well, no, it's, yeah, a book. They're small books and it could be, have a great depth of, depth of information and feeling, conviction. Um... And then there's just another bit that I want to get into. Um, later on in, uh, in chapter 15, he, he has this to say about this idea of this feeling. So the, the chief peculiarity of this feeling is that the receiver of a true artistic impression is so united to the artist that he feels as if the work were his own and not someone else's, as if what it expresses were just what he had long been wishing to express. A real work of art destroys in the consciousness of the receiver the separation between himself and the artist. Not that alone, but also between himself and all whose minds receive this work of art. In this freeing of our personality from its separation and isolation, in this uniting of it with others, lies the chief character characteristic and the great attractive force of art so um that's pretty cool uh, we so basically we enter into a world where the creator infects the viewer the reader uh the creative as such um and this is what Tolstoy talks about infectiousness it's this infectiousness that enters into us when we witness a great work of art why we want to walk into the canvas as as Renoir was putting it and Tolstoy is against many understandings of what art's activity is. 
Um, but the but the main thing would be union, um, which I you could probably glean from that those two quotes beforehand. He prefers to call it a union among humans. Um, they're joined together by the same feelings, and this communion, as such, is it's fundamental uh, in helping us to evolve in a healthy way as human beings. It's a way of connecting back to the past and to past lives and worlds and cultures so that it's a kind of it's a kind of a mortal connection or sharing and Tolstoy says we we transmit all we've experienced but also all we felt from others down the millennia which is a really cool way of looking at it um, and if you go back to chapter 5 in that text he talks again a little bit better about that um thanks to man's capacity to be infected with the feelings of others by means of art all that is being lived through by his contemporaries is accessible to him as well as the feelings experienced by men thousands of years ago and he has also this possibility of transmitting his own feelings to others if people lack this capacity to receive the thoughts conceived by men who preceded them and to pass on to others their own thoughts, men would be like wild beasts. So, you know, he goes on to talk about these three conditions of confectionists in art, but in the end it's the last one he talked about uh, that's the most important. Sincerity. You know, sincerity is the most important feeling to feel when trying to express oneself in art you know he says um vanity or covetousness is why upper class art as he calls it <laughs> upper class art as opposed to peasant art which i know whether that's a um a cool way of describing it but upper class art i kind of like that has no power he says when um because of its vanity and its lack of sincerity so this, it lacks this feeling of sincerity. And so quality for Tolstoy comes from sincerity, no matter what the subject matter. So, so I suppose what I'm trying to get is, is if we listen to people like Tolstoy or Bradbury or Renoir or Van Gogh or any of these other, you know, great creators, then we, then we have to go inside because... That's where sincerity rests. Um, to shed, you know, like an onion, this 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 outer skin or facade, and to go further in with with each layer, and you know, observe and be aware of the tears that come with the release from unlayering those emotions and feelings. Whether you're standing on the beach, you know, crying over a character, or you're in front of an easel with a paintbrush or inventing something, you know, so. So we have to let the words or the the lines, the sounds transpose our emotional experience into something. So is it visual or audible? Because the words are not as such as important when trying to get to this. It's it's the feelings you feel as you write or draw or sing. What are the feelings inside you? And the idea being to transport them onto the page or the chords you're plucking or the dance you're dancing and it could be a doodle or a few words but the most important being, thing being that what matters is that you put it down or communicate how you're feeling 
And this is where, you know, what the Greeks call catharsis comes in. You release the feeling, the emotions, by unlayering and shedding. Uh, or, you know, reliving them back to that sense memory or emotional memory uh, that's repressed or on the surface and put that, transfer that into your creation. So the drama or, and yeah, the drama and the drama of our own lives and others affects the body. You know, so it's like a cleansing. It's a cleansing. It cleanses the emotions, which can lead to a feeling of renewal and restoration. That's why we feel and see, not see, we see it and look, but it's the feeling that creates the renewal and the restoration. Because, and that's what the Greek word catharsis actually means. Purification or cleansing or uh, a clarification a clarification of this connection between humans of emotions and feelings because of emotional memory which is really beautiful um way of looking at art and creativity so that's what i want to get into today uh thanks for listening I started with a quote from a scientist, um, but as always, I'm going to end this episode with an Irish proverb. And this one literally means, the people encounter one another, but the hills never meet. So the people encounter one another, but the hills never meet, nor the mountains. Castor na dini ar a chéile, ach ni castor na canuc, Non a slaveta. Castor na dini ar a chéile, ach ni castor na canuc, non a slaveta. So, as I bang on about each time, uh, this podcast is supported by you, the listener, uh, via my Patreon page. Uh, this isn't a radio show or anything. Uh, there's no advertisers uh, paying for this, which is great because nobody's telling me what to say, uh, you know, uh, and, it sh- and they shouldn't be. Um, so it's independent so if you want to support the podcast and help me get paid for it uh, doing it then head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning and if you can afford it then you know as I always say cup of tea or a pint if you wanted to or would would have been able to listen to me uh, talking about what I've been talking about and if you can't afford it that's cool too um, somebody else uh, will bound to be is paying for it as well so so it's all good the most important thing is to get this stuff out into the world and to be of service in some way so I, with that in mind then uh, you know subs- get people to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes iTunes <laughs> iTunes or uh, wherever so they listen to it. and more importantly leave a review or wherever it is that you're listening to and just let people know, you know, I'm sure there's one episode you think somebody would be into, you know, if they're not, if you're not into all of them, there must be one that might be in some way relevant to, to somebody who's trying to have, trying to move forward creativity. And then any of my stuff, uh, social stuff's on my website, johnfanning.me, J-O-H-N-F-A-N-N-I-N-G dot me. And then the podcast links and all that are under that. 
under podcast. Um, so that's about it. It's been it's been fun uh, sharing this today. And until the next time, take care out there and do the work. But uh, above all, be benevolent and in mining, in mining those feelings and emotions, in mining that emotional memory. Uh, be benevolent when you can. Shall live August Gunnarian Boholive.